you know, there's more signboards gracing our streets. There seems to be a lot more properties that are hitting the market. I know I've talked recently about walking the dog. Mm. Have I told you about how I went viral with that bad boy? With the dog? With the little... Oh, with the signed dog story? Yeah. Oh, right. Really? And I'm like, I'm, over the weekend, over on the Instagram, I kept getting like these, like, the property pod got this new like, the property pod got this new like. We've almost had... <laughs> This is embarrassing. <laughs> We've almost had more views on this yeah. thirty-second video of me talking about walking the dog and looking at signboard than the history of the hundred and fifty <laughs> episodes of the property board. <laughs> All amalgamated together, just this me talking about my dog. I I cannot comprehend it. All right, guys, welcome back to The Property Pod, your weekly engagement into real estate here in the Hobart Marketplace. I'm your host, Aaron Horn, and it gives me a great pleasure to be joined by superstars of real estate here in Hobart. I've got it first time, baby. Every time. Oh, you are an absolute natural. Sometimes I'm lying in oh, bed yeah. and it's just rolling through my head as I'm going through. I'm like, get it right this week. Today's right going to be a good day. Today's the day. So <laughs> to complete the introduction, John McGregor sitting over this side of the desk. How are you, my friend? Mate, feeling great. Feeling Looking good. sharp. Looking Thanks. sharp. Got to say. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Nice tweedy. Give us a give us a rundown on that jacket just before we go well, any further. This, this was one that I needed. A, those I've got the my big winter jackets that I bought from Scotland, um, which are nice, you know, but I didn't have anything for summer. So... Last year, I was like, well, I'm going to need a couple of linen jackets. This one's a bit of a mix. Um, but I wanted something with a bit of personality. Um, and you've definitely so nailed that. I, I found it. You've definitely nailed nice. that. Me and Sam Allright were just having a discussion around about how hard it is to find jackets with personality in Hobart. Well, <laughs> 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 how do you interview a jacket with personality, John? <laughs> I don't know, but it makes it sound uh, cooler than it is, I suppose. The yeah. funny bit is, the only reason I bring up your jacket is I'm sitting here setting up the studio. I'm hearing you guys having this yeah. <laughs> in depth jacket conversation. I'm like, what are we doing talking property on this podcast? Let's talk jackets. Oh, man. Ah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's nice to have a. Uh, um, yeah, a kindred spirit in the office. Because <laughs> then, then, Aaron, then Aaron Murray walks to the door and Sam goes, mate, that's a nice jacket. And see, the first thing that Aaron thinks was, yeah, it was on sale. <laughs> it's got got it at Oxford for $29. Yep, exactly. A guy close to my heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, on the polar opposite of that, someone who isn't wearing a jacket and you quite regularly find him wearing a T-shirt and a cap, we've got the director of Foreign for Property Co, Patricia Berry. I'm here. You're here. I'm you're looking sharp. Yeah, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're ready to rock and roll. We actually sat down and discussed what we're going to talk about yesterday, I, which I is I rare. I want to point out I wore one of my newer 414 shirts because it would be blacker and I knew that you'd be filming today. It's, no. <laughs> I've, got, I've got one for you. Sarah, if I put on the white one that's got the 414, she's like, oh, you're recording the podcast today. <laughs> like, what does that mean? She's like, oh, I know like the days that you're recording that's because you try and look a bit better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, as a plan, I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to throw you off the course. Yeah. <laughs> All right, boys. Um, jump Jumping into the real estate side of things, which we were meant to talk about, but look, jackets could be the uh, topic of conversation for Mate, the rest of the day. It's all about setting yourself up for sale, isn't it? Like setting for yeah, success, yeah, is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, dressing yourself for success. <laughs> well, look, you it's, need to with your property. It's not so far off some of the things I was hoping to talk about today. So, what we were thinking of going into is how to achieve a successful sale in the current market. So, dressing your property for success is yeah. something that could come up in that. Um, discussion. So, yeah. not a bad segue. Thank you, my friend. Well, I think the best one is you were there yesterday at the property at uh, Claremont. Our mm, client what a he is work is absolute. Took us off to get this place absolute. You know, completely immaculate. And where, interestingly enough, he was the apprentice of the property we sold at um, Thirty One Dowsing Avenue, which was that little cottage. Ah, where, that that old where place. That was like you know every blade of grass was just perfect yep. because they went to the they went. Well, he knew that well. 
if we're going to do this, we're going to go all out. And just so happens that the owner of the one at Claremont was his apprentice. He, wa- he watched that process and how successful it was, and he's just done that exact same thing. So here's one thing I'm going to throw at you. When, before leaving the property, like I've inside, I've taken all the photos, it's shift styled, it looks amazing. Yeah. I've left and I've started taking a photo outside. I'm like, hold on a sec, is this a new build? Mm. And then I'm like, no, I know, I was inside. But from the outside with the render and like everything that's been done outside, yeah. it almost convinced me that it was a brand new home. Yep. Yep. Got inside, it was amazingly renovated. But yeah. Yeah, and, and so uh, fortunate enough, he's uh, because of his skills, he's able to go to the next level. Of course, not all of us have that capacity, um, and that was the discussion we had with him. He brought us in about halfway through this stuff, but because he watched that experience with his, uh, you know, previously, he went right. Um, we're going to be moving into state, so I'm going to start this, you know, start this process now of getting the property dressed because we know that it makes a difference. And when he asked us, look. What, um, you know, should we go to this extent? And I said, well, if you can, you know, he's saving himself at least 50% of the cost realistically um, if you were to try and employ someone professionally. And I said to Kane, look, mate, you can't, we can't control the market of what's happening externally, but you can absolutely control the presentation of this property. And if you, so you've come this far, don't stop. Yeah, no, look, it's, it's a testament to him and all the hard work he's done. I'm really interested to see how it'll go on the market as it is. I guess what we were hoping to talk about today is kind of the way the market's corrected itself and it seems to be settling into a, a bit of a state at the moment, it feels a like. A balanced market. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought, you know, there's more signboards gracing our streets. There seems to be a lot more properties that are hitting the market. I know I've talked recently about walking the dog. Mm. Have I told you about how I went viral with that bad boy? With the dog, with the little, oh, with the signed dog story. Yeah. Oh right. Really? And I like, I was, over the weekend, over on the Instagram, I kept getting like these, like the property pod got this new like, the property pod got this new like. We've almost had. <laughs> this is embarrassing. <laughs> We've almost had more views on this yeah. <laughs> thirty-second video of me talking about walking the dog and looking at signboard than the history of the hundred and fifty <laughs> episodes of the property pod. <laughs> All amalgamated together. Just this me talking about my dog. I I cannot comprehend hey, see, it. That's a problem. Dogs and cats sell. They're like, like they're more, people are more interested in talking about their animals. Let's face it. Well, what am I doing? Photoshopping furniture into houses. Let's just Photoshop dogs, dogs and cats dogs in and the cats. place. This is ridiculous. It's crazy. I can't comprehend it. I, I didn't do anything different. I just posted it up, yeah, and it yeah. just seems to keep. All right, maybe the thing is is that we do need one little flag every episode when we reference pets, and that's the uh, there's a segue <laughs> with pets. Yeah, we're not SEOing, we're like doggyoing. We've <laughs> yeah, got <exactly>. this. Doggyos. <laughs> um, sorry, the off topic. But yeah, so what I thought we could jump into trying to talk about was what's there's lots more properties hitting the market. That kind of um, lack of property being on the market, the fear of missing out, seems to have mm. moved aside for the moment, could correct itself back into that. But even trawling through kind of a bunch of the real estate.com, there's heaps of listings out there. Yeah, yeah. So how can we um, set up our vendors to achieve success in selling their property? Mm, we yeah. kind of went through a few little dot points yesterday discussing it, Pat. I thought yeah. you could talk to some of those. So uh, what I was thinking, John, what we could look at, um, just blindsiding you here, mm. um, is sort of before, during and at contract stage. So mm. before you go to market, which I guess is what you've just been describing with this new listing that you've got. Yep. What we do when we're at the listing stage in prepare, like talking to the vendor about getting it ready to put onto the market sure. and then what a vendor should look for when we start to bring them contracts to know, 
you know, is this contract going to go anywhere? Yeah. Or okay, is it cool. just a waste of time mm. contract? Don't worry. He's not blindsided. I emailed him the information. Oh, he just did, did it print it out this week. Oh, he, yeah. was, he thought he wanted to save the environment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's not even brought up. No, don't. <laughs> He's got a <laughs> um, No, that's great because, um, I mean, one of the things that's been interesting in our business, because we've got quite a few agents that have only started within the last couple of years, they're not used to what mm. the kind of conversations we actually have to have. Yeah. So we can really phrase this in the conversations we're having with our clients. Yeah. You know, so I think, I suppose I'll start us off then. I mean, the first one that people are asking is, what is the market doing? And I think the way that you both phrased it is that the fear of missing out has gone. Yep. So the way that um, – and, and we're returning to a balanced market. So that how I would extend that conversation is to say, well, look, uh, boys, um, so people aren't buying for the sake of buying because they feel they have to need – because they feel they have to buy. So people are now just buying because their life compels them to do so, whether or not they're, you know, they're, they've had a new baby or they're downsizing, et cetera. So we're just seeing that um, natural ebb and flow of a market rather than that surge of um, – you know, surprising demand because mm. people feel they should be buying. Yep. So what that means then is, yes, there's less uh, buyer activity um, and they and that will translate to more choice as um, people will um, naturally come onto the market, vice versa. So we also have to, because now the latest quarter results have come out through the different um, REIT Institute, RP Data and a whole different bunch of sources, um, there's a couple of really key indicators. We referenced them before. The investor activity is reduced by 28% year on year. Yep. Um, same with the actual transaction of property. So there's not as many houses selling. Now, that also, that absolutely has a bearing on what now the prices are doing. And so where before we were able to list a property 18 months ago and you'd say, great, let's just have a crack and we're probably going to get 10 offers and it's going to blow your expectations out of the water. That is no longer the case. Mm. So the conversation we have with our clients at the moment is to talk about commitment. So it's like, look, um, this is not the market to sit there and test a price. If you're sitting there, if, if, if it goes against the trend, the numbers and the comparable sales, um, and you still just want to have a crack and expect you're going to get a phenomenal result, the percentage chance of that happening is very, very, very small. So we have to ask, well, look, in the sake of saving you marketing dollars, in the sake of saving you time, and obviously we don't want to sit there and spend a heck of a lot of investment and time on a um, a property that isn't going to sell, how committed are you to moving? And it's really about knowing that, okay, in this market, if you need to adjust your expectations and if you've had if you've doubled your property value and then now rather than getting 100%, you're getting 90 or 80%, it's still a win. It's still a win, yeah. You know? It's um, just hard to taste when you've had all these success in the past or people seeing all this success and thinking, oh, man, I can hit that. Yeah. Market's exactly. changed. That's not what we're saying now. Yeah, exactly. And so the, at this phase one part, it's really in the – to me what I'm looking for is – Where's your level of commitment? If you don't want it bad enough, you don't need to do it, you know, um, it just might be nice. Chances are it's probably not going to happen for you. So in this kind of pre-list stage, I guess one key thing to focus here is kind of getting the price right or discussing it with your agent, kind of not coming in and then appraising the place and saying, I reckon we can get 500 for this. Mm. And then a week and a half later, once you're ready to hit the market, like I'm going to go with 520 now, guys. I've changed my mind. I want to do this. It's like, you're almost setting yourself up to fail. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah. You're almost setting yourself up to get a lot less because by the time you agree to meet the market, the market already thinks that you're unrealistic. Mm. Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, so um, well, Aaron has a really good graph that um, one of our other sales consultants that he um, uses. I've got good graphs too, baby. Okay, yeah, so come and have a look at my right. graphs. Come check out my graphs, baby. Um, 
like where, where it almost has like a, a three-stage graph where it's like if you price your property 10% above what market thinks it's worth, it's probably going to result in no inquiries, no showings, no offers. If you're 5 to 10% above, it's probably going to result in showings and inquiries but no offers. Mm. So in this market, you've got to get it priced correctly so that you can get the showings, the offers, and then one that is acceptable to the actual property. Yep. So, yeah, pricing it, what doesn't seem like much, 5 or 10%, could be the difference between you selling and not selling. So using yeah. the data that we have access to and really looking at, you know, who are your comparable properties that you're going to be fighting against on the Saturday open homes? What are they priced at compared to yours? Mm. How do you make yours a better option in this marketplace, that's what you need to start thinking about and looking at. And that extends then with the presentation because the idea, oh, it's going to be renovated as delight. They are attractive properties when people are expecting the median prices to adjust backwards mm. and the time frame to renovate, the cost to renovate, etc., are all have all you know increased since they were you know a couple of years ago, yep. twelve months ago. So that's the thing where the properties we would say are winning at the moment are the ones that are completely done for you or those that are priced most competitively. And it's the middle ground where you've people, you know, um, that, that have properties that are really struggling at the moment because people are just like, well, stuff that I don't want to buy a half-finished product. I'd rather get one at a good deal or I just want one completely done. So that's where that price sensitivity comes in, um, in you know, in line with the with your presentation. Yeah. So this is the 1% as the the small little things that can make a huge difference at the other side of the um, deal. So kind of get people, well, I guess moving from pre-list, we've kind of talked about setting up the property and making sure it's right and then pricing it right, which I guess in our little um, document here, I've said choosing the right agent, but I guess that's moving into the, sorry. No, choosing the right agent's correct, but it's choosing the agent that's going to have the, hard conversation with you and the honest conversation with you, not the one that just agrees with you. Yeah. Like, you know, you sit down with the agent and you tell the agent, I want $600,000, and inside they're like, yep, no problem at all, we'll get you that. But all their data suggests 520 is where it's at. They need to be telling you that up front. And and this was one thing that um, we're doing trading that Susie's going to have a chat about with the team as well is – if you want to know what it feel, what it means to be a real estate agent, this is the market where this is what your job means because this is where you've got to work really hard to be able to get deals to come together. That mm. means two subject to sales. That means, um, you know, we were having one conversation with the purchaser about, oh, well, how about we could actually, how about we get you a new vanity? That'll fit in a little bit more. We'll get these PowerPoints moved around and we can adjust this and adjust that for you so that um, now this property is going to fit to your needs a bit more. Because instantly they're just like, no, nah, it doesn't work. This doesn't work. We're going to go away. It's like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, we can actually, you know, make this work for you. Yep. Don't run away too quickly. Mm. Um, and the thing is, one-on-one negotiate, uh, one-on-one negotiations are very, very different um, than you know, five people make a, a Dutch a Dutch offer, as they would say. No one knows what everyone else has got, and you look like a superstar. Yeah. Um, that those you know. It's a very different environment to even negotiate in. Yeah, my favourite example of talking to purchasers and finding out their needs and wants is probably one of your old man stories. Mm. Um, you've talked about it multiple times on the podcast, but for the new listeners, he had a home. He wasn't able to sell it. Um, the living space was too small. The dining space was too large. And all he suggested was to the owner was to flip the two rooms around yep. because mm. all the feedback was the lounge room's too small. But it mm. never dawned on anyone prior to that to consider changing the room configuration. Yes. Yeah. And, and that was the difference between it selling and not selling. So yeah. it's finding solutions to people's problems yeah. is how we yeah. get properties moved in this market. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the other thing that I think we need to work closely with is 
work with an agent that you know is working with a lot of buyers. Mm. Like Aaron Murray at the moment in our office, he's got an amazing buyer database and he's kicking goals like no tomorrow because he works those buyers really hard. Yep. And we have a lot of buyers that say, I want to live in Glenorchy, and then they end up buying an old beach. That's right. So it's about understanding when their expectations are shifting and being ready to move with opportunities for them into those other areas is how we can make yeah. things happen. And how, how often we've, we've all done it where it's just because one of our mates or we've just like, just try it, you know, just just give it a go. No, I don't want to have that yeah, stout, just, John. Just, just, just no. try just Yeah, just, just maybe two more stouts. Maybe no. a lot with a shot. Just put it in the stout. <laughs> Pat's, like as, if you wouldn't, party. Yeah. Pat's <laughs> like as if you wouldn't be having a stout, baby. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that, that's another interesting point because um, – you know, again, the one that we just um, uh, had sold was one up at Canara Crescent and Chigwell, which is obviously where our, our old family home was. And how I introduced a buyer to that street was um, they had just sold a big family home up at Lindisfarne and they said, I would never live in Chigwell. Um, it's the Berridale side of Chigwell, so it's a bit different. And I said, look, just do me a favour. It's Technically, it ticks all your boxes, so... Drive up, and when they did, they're you know completely surprised because it's not what they visualised in their mind it would be at all. Yeah, uh, we took them through and they bought it. Um, and with the other one that we've had across the road, same challenge because the it's it's just got the wrong um, suburb name in that price bracket. Uh, but this is a good one about the owners have to really adjusting their expectations, and you know Aaron's starting to experience what that feels like to have these conversations that look we don't want to have but we need to have. Mm. Um, and that's the only way we're going to get to contracts. That's it. And the, what ended, the, the conversation I had with uh, our client was, look, let us at least position the property for me to present an offer that you can say no to because we're at, um, at the... Oh, I like that line, John. Yeah. yeah. At the, at the, they, were hope, they needed 800 and they'd purchased, uh, made a contract on another property we had, but it was... So in order for them to reach for that, they had to reach for theirs against, you know, we said, well, this is probably not going to happen. They wanted to try it. It didn't pan out. So um, we, I had to say, well, look, after a long back and forth, he said, what, are we, what do you think it's going to sell for, John? I said, look, um, mate, we're going to have to really look at it. If, if we can get a contract with a seven with a number seven in front of it, we've got to take it. And that was that was for me just sitting there. You were basically going to have to adjust your uh, purchasing power by $100,000 in one conversation. Um, and fortunately enough, they just sat on it for a long time and listened, adjusted the asking price to six ninety. A buyer that Aaron had, in, had inquired on that property, at the very first day he was able to call them back and say, good news the, for you, the property's adjusted. Instantly they made a contract and now we're under contract for over, you know, a bit over 700000 Um So fortunate enough, they, had, they still had the, the number one thing, which was commitment. They did a lot of the stuff to the property as best as they could um, and then um, they adjust. They were prepared to meet the market by you know, you know, having a price correction in that sense or we, you know, price improvement. And we're able to get them moving forward. Well, again, that kind of goes back to the graph we were talking about before, like early on of kind of positioning the price correctly on the market. Like, which for clarification, both Aaron's two really good graphs. Yeah. <laughs> you should see my graph go. It's strong. Yeah, you plot got- plotting an A and then getting to X and just bring it around. And then I also like those pie ones. Mm-mm-mm. I love me some graphs. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I wanted to get to the contract stage. John actually gave me a good segue, but then I wanted to um, flip Wait. back into the other way. I thought talking about the contract stage like, is an interesting idea with the you know changing the the um, expectation and price in that yeah. stage. Yeah. We kind of were talking about like at the moment there might be offers coming in and they might not be $100,000 over what you're expecting before. Mm-hmm. So it's choosing the right contract, I guess, at the moment. Like things like LVR come into it, um, strong deposits. Can we kind of talk to 
What makes a good contract? What makes a good contract from a um, vendor's point of view in the current space? Because it's not like I can pick and choose from a bunch of them. But well, That could be depend on, to begin with, how long it's been on market for. Yeah. Like, if it's been on market for a couple of months, any contract is a good contract. Let's work I'll with them and see what we can do. One that's on paper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think if um, you were receiving offers in the early stages of a campaign, which, you know, still can happen in this marketplace, especially with well-presented homes, and yeah. um, you've had a couple of properties recently where that has happened quite well. I think Parliament Street was a good example of that. Mm. Um, I think if I was the vendor, I'd be probably looking at, if it was subject to finance, how much are they borrowing? Yep. I know that interest rates are getting harder. I know that um, borrowing capacities are getting tougher. I'd want to know that they've got a bit of money behind them to be able to secure yeah, it. Absolutely. If they're looking to borrow 95% of the purchase price, then I'm starting to worry, is the value I going to agree with what we sold it for? Mm. And are they going to get the money or am I going to waste three weeks? And could it change in that time? So we've talked previously about how in three weeks' time your whole borrowing capacity could. could. Have dropped. Yep. So we recently had that with one of Aaron's properties where the day of settlement, the bank changed their opinion on a property that had been approved. Oh, yeah. that's so rough. we needed to re-pivot and fix that finance over the next couple of days. It's still settled, still went through at the same price, yep. mm. but we are getting roadblocks down the track that we need to work through. Um, Which, again, it yeah. goes to getting the right agent and the ones that will mm. go that extra mile. So, you know, 80% is where I'd like to see a contract under from a borrowing capacity, yep. so 80% of the purchase price. I'd like to know that my client has got around 20 25% to put towards it. Yeah, for sure. Anything less than that, I'm going to hope that it's a cheaper home that, you know, they've got security. From, I'd want to explore so I can explain to my client why are they borrowing 90%? How is mm. this going to come together? Mm. Yep. Mum and dad have offered to go guarantor or maybe they're borrowing under the home share scheme with the government or I need to know what is that extra thing because if they think that they can borrow 90 95% without... It's almost like support. a Hail Mary early days and it's like, yeah, I'm going to buy this house. And yeah. it's like, uh-uh, you're not going to buy the house. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I don't want to waste three weeks of my owner's time with a contract that potentially is not going to go anywhere. So mm-hmm. that'd be one thing I'd be looking for. Well, I know one thing too where um, for our same clients that we had to help them buy um, a, a property through another agent. And when I said to her, look, it's, it's a subject to sale, which doesn't isn't as attractive as it used to be because things can get a little bit tougher. I said, well, look, um, our subject to sale is different because we already have a contract on our property. On our property, and with that, then it's actually not it's not subject to finance. It's subject to the Foreign Investment Review Board. So, for those who aren't familiar with that, is that if you're not a um, you know a resident Australian, um, you need to seek approval from the Foreign Investment Review Board in order for them to uh, allow you to purchase a property. So that also means, though, with the contract um, on ours, there was no finance required. They were going to be purchasing it with cash, provided that they get approval from the Foreign Investment Review Board. So then to that agent, it was, look, um, yes, it's a subject to sale, but it's not a subject to sale, subject to finance. It's a, it's a different subject too. Yeah. It's just like, okay, great. So luckily enough, working with other agents too, that's a really useful situation in complicated negotiations because we can translate those conversations better than... Than um, you're trying to do it by yourself. That's right. Mm. So um, for her and her client, she was doing the exact right thing, which is we, we obviously wanted to this deal to come together because admittedly we're probably going to be a little bit above the other interest because it was a subject to sale. Um, but as you described, she is asking the right questions to say, okay. So she can sell it to her owner. Exactly. Because she's got to go justify your contract to the owner. Yeah. So yeah, there's no harm in, you know, 
if you get along really well with an agent and you've met them in an open home but they can't have the house that you want to buy, mm. I'm sure 90% of agents in Hobart, if you went back to them and said, hey, I'm looking to buy a property off another competitor, mm. can I have some advice? They would give it to you in a heartbeat. Yeah. Without any questions asked because we're all here to help people. Yeah, and I, I really like this. Um, I was chatting with a um, – I went to a, a launch of a friend of ours who just started a new company. Um, and give him like, a shout. Give him a shout. Uh, yeah, so we'll uh, market Sam Lester from Mixed Property. Yeah. And I really like the way he said it. He goes, mate, well, look, in the end, we're not – we're competitors. We're not enemies. And I think some would uh, take that approach. We're like, uh, you'll never speak with anyone. But I love the fact of trying to nurture these relationships with everyone because you never know – um, which one of us we're going to have to have a chat about, about you know getting a deal together for our clients. Yeah, yeah. And having those good relationships just makes that process a heck of a lot easier rather than going, oh, my God, it's that person. It's like um, really get to call them. I was driving along with Bass the other day and the opened a view car was driving by. I was like, oh, they're the enemy. I was like, no, no, they're just no. some other people taking photos. Mate. Yeah, exactly. like, it actually yeah. makes our job easier because we don't yeah. have time to take those photos. Yeah, right. listings that you were never getting, Bassie, because yeah. we didn't <laughs> lose those yeah. I was like, it's all good, dude. Don't yeah. worry. And don't it's so true because there's plenty of business for good operators. Uh, um, I think it's those that are just, you know, um, so with your approach, like there's no, it's not even competition, nah. you know, it's just sweet. They're going about the day, I'm going about mine. Yeah. 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 It's all good. Um, mm. Subject to sales is a really interesting one. I reckon there's probably a, a whole lot of conversation around motivations and, yeah. and trying to sort that out. We've we've nailed it. I can't believe we put all this down on paper and we've, we've worked our way through the whole episode part. Damn. <laughs> well played. Um, I think that's the property pod for this week. Is there anything else we wanted to cover off just before finishing up? Oh, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty think, happy with that. Yeah. I think in the end it's really about working with people who know what they're doing, quite simply, because mm. this is a, um, uh, you know, this is markets that we cut our teeth on over 10 years ago. Mm. Uh, and the you can definitely, um, working with people of experience matters in these markets. And if you are working with someone that's newer to the industry, you want to find out who's supporting them. Yeah, on a weekly basis. Okay, I like that. Yeah, like, yeah. Don't don't automatically disregard someone that's brand new in the industry because they have mm. a lot of hunger and a lot of drive, especially in these marketplaces. Mm. But make sure that they do have the agency support behind them to yep. help them through those tougher conversations. Yeah, exactly. And oh. that's and that's how we and that's how you know that yeah. was a classic example of the clients we just or the story mm. we just talked about. Well, yeah, I heard you. I listened into your conversation before the podcast. I listened to yours. You were talking to Aaron Murray about kind of you know getting finance a, and a pre approval and a pre approval and a brand new business. Kind of getting up and running, and he's hungry to yeah. like really kind of make a mark, which is the same Aaron Murray theory of just yeah. being like, I drive past here at seven at night, and his car or motorbike mm. still sitting there. Mm. So yeah, it's important to work with someone that's got experience to get the jobs done in this hard market. But you can also work with someone that's young, energetic, and excited to be mm. in the industry because they're going to go that extra mile for you. Yep. Mm. But ask the extra questions with them at the appraisal. Make sure you understand what it is that they're going to bring to the table and how they're going to fix an awkward situation if that arises. Yeah. If that, if that, if yeah, if this happens, then what? Yeah. Or if they make sure they've got someone behind them that they can mm. turn to, and the amount of times that. Amars comes out and Paul oh, got one for you. Just yeah. sit next to us. <laughs> yeah. The times he comes out, just give him a desk out there, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, we got we'll make some space for him. You do realize he's two seats up from me, so guess who gets eighty <laughs> percent? <laughs> Look, I like his tenacity. The, yep. the kid's got spark. Yeah. So, bottom line is, just do your research in this marketplace. Yep. Make sure you're comfortable with your decision. Really ask questions when you're doing the appraisal with the potential agent that you're going to work with mm. and know what you're after like, yeah. and yeah. make sure they are aware of that as well because they may come straight to you and say, I can't 
I can't meet those expectations and that's fine. Mm. But just know what you do what you're trying to achieve and make sure you're working with someone that has the same vision. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Cracking episode. Had fun with that one. Thanks very much, guys. All right. We'll see you all next week with more property part. Bye. You have been listening to the Property Pod, recorded and edited by 414 Media House in conjunction with 414 Property Co. This podcast is general information only and the thoughts and views expressed is the opinion of our panel and listeners should always seek their news, their own investigation into any topic we discuss to ensure they fully understand their own situation. It does not constitute and should not be relied on as purchasing, selling, financial or investment advice or recommendations expressed or implied and it should not be used as an invitation to take up any agent or investment services. No investment decision or activity should be undertaken on the basis of this information without first seeking qualified and professional advice.